My name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to what will be the first of a sub-series of our show, Make Ours Marvel, that we will be calling Not Comics. Yeah, you know, where we talk about Marvel stuff, but it's Not Comics. And um, <laughs> so we don't really have an organized way of approaching this, but we're talking about like movies, TV shows, that sort of thing. And definitely movies as they come out. Right. That was kind of the, the what spawned all this is we're all excited about Avengers Infinity. And then we thought, hey, we have a Marvel podcast. We should dedicate an episode to it. But then we were kind of like, ah, but we don't want to like drag down the comic discussion. So now we're kind of making it just a sort of a separate deal that you can choose to skip or, or you know, pick and choose when you want to listen to it. It's not quite in the same vein as the other episodes. Right. Uh, and we're kind of putting this out of order like whenever mm. you hear our recordings you're hearing episodes we recorded weeks and months ago um this is something that's actually rather um rather recent yeah so if you're if you're unaware there was a marvel movie recently called avengers infinity war and we've both seen it and it's been out for a couple of weeks now as this episode hits so probably if you heard of it and you want to see it you will have done so if you so haven't it. you should not Go be listening ahead. to the show what's that <laughs> I was going to say, John has seen it like 58 times. <laughs> uh, as of this recording, what, it came out last Thursday, last Thursday night, right? Yeah. So it hasn't been that long. I've seen it. I have a wife and kids and stuff, and apparently they're not as cooperative as John's because I had to wait till Monday to see it. So I saw it like five days ago for the first and only time. So uh, the, um, the, the the secret is, or the, the sort of funny thing about my seeing it was that the kids and I had tickets – for Friday after school because my daughter had a, um, a choir performance on Thursday night. And we usually go to see things on Thursday night because, you know, it's Thursday night. And we couldn't go see it Thursday night, so we are going to go see it Friday after school. And I was trying to keep my eyes off the internet. Anytime I saw Avengers, I immediately looked away. And I saw somebody, there was somebody on Twitter that for whatever reason they were responding to some conversation about this. And usually this person is talking about Batman v Superman, which is why I follow him because that's like his main topic of conversation. But he was talking about Avengers Infinity War, but without saying the name, he said like it had too many jokes in it or something like that for all the death involved. There were too many jokes. And I was like, I don't want to hear your criticisms before I see the movie. <laughs> right. And then, and then somebody else and, and Zach, if you're listening to this, you know, sorry to call you out, bro. Love you. Um, but he, had said that, you know, the fact that the movie is a cliffhanger shouldn't be a surprise. And I was like, I didn't want to know that it was a cliffhanger. So um, I was already starting to see things I didn't, um, you know, want to know. And so I'm sitting there kind of sad on Thursday. And my wife says, honey, the kids are in bed. You should just go see the movie. And I was like, yeah, really? They're like, yeah. So my wife's an enabler and I went and saw it at 1030 on Thursday night. That's awesome. I should have done the same thing by myself at least once first. Um, but yeah, it's like the internet, it's almost impossible not to see something you don't want to see anymore. Because I'm thinking like, you know, oh, I'll go on Instagram and and just look at pictures. And then like there's autoplay videos happening of, you know, TV spots or something. It's like, I don't want to see this anymore. I am sold. I'm going <laughs> I've been I've been sold since the announcement and usually my practice for these kind of movies is like by the second big, you know, release trailer, I tell myself don't watch anything else, no more clips on talk shows. Don't even watch talk shows. I don't even want to see them as actors 
or anything, you mm-hmm. know. I just swear off all that stuff. I didn't watch any of the Conan or Late Night or Fallon or any of those things. I still haven't because it's like to me, it's like I just want to go in there in the zone of these are these characters. They're not like Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. or whatever. But yeah, you're scrolling through Twitter or something and something will just autoplay and it's super frustrating. So you either have to just swear off the internet altogether or go ahead and be spoiled, I guess. Yeah, it's um, it is frustrating, and the uh, the the result of that is that whenever I went to school on Friday and kids were saying stuff or threatening to say stuff, I was playing defense against like for the sake of other kids who hadn't seen it. Oh, right, right, yeah. Which means I was still trying to teach life lessons of don't be a jerk and spoil movies for people. But I wasn't as like personally emotionally invested in it. Like if they right. said something and spoiled something, I could be annoyed with them as their teacher and not like really annoyed with them as a fellow fan who's not been spoiled. So speaking of spoilers, obviously, just as a warning, that's not necessary. We are going to be spoiling the heck out of this movie on this episode. So if you haven't seen it, it's a podcast. You can hit pause and come back after you've seen it. It'll still be there. But yeah, we're not yeah. going to like, you know, tiptoe around anything. Full on spoilers. And just if you are the sort of person who would open the Avengers Infinity War discussion special without having seen the movie first and yeah. be annoyed if we spoil it, if like if, if that's if that's your move, yeah. I don't I don't understand you. Yeah, me neither. But, you know, we got to help them out where we can. So. <laughs> um, so I don't know if so, you did this, but like once they shoved the spear through, was it was it Heimdall who died first or was it Loki who died first? Loki, I think. So they kill Loki and they shove a spear through Heimdall. Both of those things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I immediately started keeping a count. I was like, okay, that's two deaths. We're gonna ke- <laughs> we're gonna keep counting this. And I expected to get like significantly higher. Turns out by the end there are only three significant deaths before you know half the yeah. universe dies. Right? Yeah, I was expecting more deaths than we got too. Um, actually, when they killed Loki who I think was the first death, I kind of thought to myself, I wonder if he'll show up later in this movie. <laughs> because, you know, it's Loki. Is he really dead? I don't yeah, know. He's, been he's already before. faked it. Right. He's faked it too many times for me to believe it. But, um, yeah, Hemdell, I'm not sure how he would come back necessarily. So that right. was crazy. So um, that's, that, that's that's a big kicker. Like, starts off kind of like Transformers the movie, you know? Let's just – let's attack the ship and kill everybody on it. And we're just like, wow, this is the beginning. This is the first five minutes. Right. You know? That was really intense. It's worth pointing out that there's a line of dialogue dropped later that half of the Asgardians were killed. So theoretically, Valkyrie is still out there somewhere. And possibly the Planet Hulk characters from Thor Ragnarok are still out there somewhere. We don't really know. Right. I, I'm glad they said that because I was thinking like, you know, in Thor Ragnarok, they made this big deal that Asgard isn't a place. It's where you are. You know, home is where the where your ship is, I guess. And then it's like it seems they seemingly wiped out the entirety of Asgard right. in this first this first moment. But, yeah, apparently half of them got away. So hopefully there can be an Asgard somewhere else someday. Uh, and... Then we go to Earth, and it's Iron Man's turn. And okay, so here's something that bothers me about Iron Man. Okay, it is Pepper Potts' storyline. Uh huh. In Civil War, they were on the outs. They were. And in Homecoming, they're which on the takes in. place like within a few short weeks of Civil War, they're back together again. And Avengers: Infinity War, they're getting married. So. 
I realize that we are not focusing on Iron Man's story, but I kind of wish we had a little bit more like narration or something on what exactly is going on with him. Because I feel like I, they're just coming kind of strung along. I kind of like that, even though we haven't had any particular movie that focuses on Iron Man in a while, that he still has stuff going on. Mm-hmm. We don't, and we don't necessarily have to see it. To me, it's like if I'm reading Avengers and he has a thought bubble about how he and Pepper Potts broke up. And I go, oh, okay, they broke up. Check. But if you're reading Iron Man, you know how they broke up, why they broke up, whether they're really broken up, you know, whatever. And we're just not getting Iron Man. So we're getting like these little hints of him living his life between movies or during movies, but without actually having to see what's going on. I mean, I could totally imagine them breaking up and not breaking up and breaking up and not breaking up. No problem. Okay, Uh, yeah. Because they did that in Iron Man 2. They kind of sort of broke up but didn't. Um, and then he said, you know, he's giving up being Iron Man and that made her happy. And then, like, obviously by Civil War, he's not giving up being Iron Man because of Avengers 2. So – and then she probably just got over it because they always do that in, in comics, right? Like, I can't date a cop, but I really love you, so I guess I'll date a cop kind of stuff. And it has the unfortunate side effect of kind of diminishing Pepper's character because she mm. is a supporting cast of Tony Stark and – we're only getting yeah. snippets of Snowy Tark's life, so we're only getting it like a sh- very surface level Pepper Potts right now. And she did such a great job in those three films. I wish we were seeing more, but like you said, this is not Iron Man's movie, and his supporting hey. cast are lucky to show up. And she's faring better than Jane Foster or Betty Brant, so I mean the, Betty uh, Betty uh, Ross. Ross. Yeah, yeah. Who, who does not exist anymore, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, gosh, he's like in love with someone else completely. No mention of her at all. It's kind of weird. Yeah, that he would go for Tasha. I'm sorry, for Nat. She's not Tasha, yeah. she's Nat. But he would go for Nat without, I mean, yeah. word one about Betty. And her dad yeah. showed up in freaking yeah. Civil War. He wasn't there, though. But, yeah. Um, but what do you think about Thanos just, like, owning the Hulk? I guess he already had two stones by that point, so you could argue that's how he did it. But it was pretty scary to see, like, Hulk get throat punched and then like fall to his knees practically, you know? Right. Base level Thanos is not, I mean, he's super strong, but he's not that super strong. So it took the two stones for him to beat the Hulk. Whereas without the stones, Captain America was able to hold his arm up. Yeah. Like at the end of the movie, whenever he's fighting Cap, uh none of the stones are glowing whenever he swings a punch at Cap. Uh, And so Cap is able to like fend off the punch. Well, I think in the comic, I mean, comics and movies are two different things, obviously. But I think in the comics, he can go toe-to-toe with Hulk. I don't know if he would win, but he's one of the few characters who could probably at least last a comic book mm-hmm. fighting the Hulk. So with two stones, it's like, forget about it, I guess. Um, I was trying to think, and maybe this is a dead end, but like, okay, Thanos had one stone already. And I can't remember the ending of what movie that was where he like took it. It was, was it? A, it was actually not in a the movie. They mentioned it briefly. He went to the planet from the first Guardians film, Xandar, where the Nova Corps is from, oh. and took it oh. from Oh, so the end of the movie was just him putting on the glove, right? Right. There was like one bu- end, end credit scene where he's like, if you got to do something right, you got to do it yourself or whatever, and he put on the glove. I want to say that was the end of Thor The Dark World. Okay, where he but took he didn't it have from- any stones. Yeah, he didn't have any stones, just went and got the glove from their, from okay. their uh, vault. Okay, okay, so let's trace that then. That vault... That was the stone that they used to defeat uh, What's-His-Face in Guardians of the Galaxy 1, right? right? And what stone was that? Do we know? Because <laughs> I kind of forgot already. That was the Power Stone. 
Okay, so the, he had got the Power Stone from Xandar off camera. Right. And then in the very beginning of this movie, he kills half the Asgardians and Hemdel and Loki for the quote-unquote Tesseract, which is the one that kicked off the Avengers and all that, or actually kicked off in Captain America First Avenger. Right. Uh, and that was the Power Stone. That was the Space Stone. Oh, okay. Right, so power, power Stone was Xandar. And space from the Tesseract. Okay, so see, I'm already messed up. And then we got, obviously, the time from Steve Strange, Stephen Strange. Yeah, that was one of the last Doctor ones. Strange. Okay, I'm just trying to count all, how, how many are there? Six, right? Six. Okay, so that's time. That's three. Mm-hmm. Space, space he gets, or soul he gets on the soul planet, which we will talk about in a second, because I got some things to say about that. But that's that that happens in this movie. He gets the soul. Right. And then what other ones does he get? He gets reality uh, he got from nowhere, the collector that was that was delivered to the collector by Thor by, and well, um, by Thor's people. Yeah, yeah by that, Thor's people. As an as an end credit. But didn't they didn't that seem like that was the power stone or that was the Tesseract they were no, delivering? That, was, that was the ether from Thor the Dark World. Oh, so that was a stone? Yeah. Okay. Because I always thought the one they were delivering to Collector was the same one that they got from Avengers, you know, but I guess that was two different ones. Yeah. So that explains that. So that's five, right? Right. And then obviously the uh, the gem on, on uh, uh, Vision's head is the last one. Right. And the reason that they didn't – the reason that they didn't keep the reality stone on Asgard with the Tesseract is they didn't want to have two Infinity Stones so close together. Which is actually the first time the MCU says Infinity Stones. Right. That is exactly what they said. That makes perfect sense now. Okay. Um, What was the one? So what's the one on Vision's forehead? Obviously That is the the mind. Mind. Okay. So now we've tracked all six and and my brain is sorted. But okay. So yeah. Iron Man, Pepper Potts, back again. She says, hey, you really need to stop putting yourself in danger. He says, no problem, baby. They're planning a wedding, by the way. And then uh, that makes Stephen Strange, Doctor Strange, open a portal and appear and invite him for more danger. Yeah, no more surprises. Promise, no surprises. Right. Doctor Strange surprises. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of poignant on a rewatch because, you know, he's up on the spaceship and he's talking to Pepper. And she's like, are you up there on that ship? Get back here right now. And he's like, I will as soon as this is done. I'll, I'll be right back as soon as this is done. And mm-hmm. then we don't even know if Pepper survived the movie. We don't. Oh, gosh. Um, um, what was I going to say? So did you feel like any fun, nerdy feelings when, like, the first crossover happens? Because essentially, like, I mean, we've had crossovers for the Avengers because they all had their own individual movies. But that was to make the Avengers. Now we're, like, having Doctor Strange talk to Tony Stark, which I think is maybe the first, like, outside of the Avengers Thing to happen. I was kind of having a little out of body experience with that. No, it was cool. I don't know if it's the first time it's happened. It was the first time it happened in the movie. Like all, all the pieces start coming together in the movie, and that's Tony Stark and Doctor Strange. And yeah, mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, how they hate each other and all that. That was cool. I, I, <laughs> I, I I'm positive next movie they're going to call each other like you know Mustache Bros or whatever they do, the uh, Goatee Brothers or something like that. They're going to have to bond over that. They have to. Once Doctor Strange like, is no longer dead. Yes. Well, you know he won't be dead. Okay. We can come back to that because there are things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that was cool. That was neat to see. And then they start fighting. It's Tony and it's Dr. Strange and Wong. And then Spider-Man shows up 
And that little trio ends up going off to fight, you know, Thanos and on the ship. And that was neat because it's the Ditko trio. Oh, wow. I never even thought of that. That is Ditko cool. did Spider-Man. Ditko did Doctor Strange. And Ditko didn't do a lot of Iron Man, but he did do the first red and yellow armor. Yeah. Jack that Kirby cool. had him stumping around in, you know, buckets. And also what happens during that scene is Hulk won't come out. Yeah. Which totally blows my mind because they trick us with the trailer. What did the trailer say? The trailer has the Hulk in it. Now, they filmed three and four as a block, and I'm pretty sure that some of the trailer was from four. It's all of them in Wakanda running to the aliens to attack them straight out of this movie, and Hulk is running with them. Uh, unless it happen- Unless it happens again, like in part two, maybe, but it seemed like straight up, you know, there's Steve Rogers with his two new vibranium thingies, and he's leading the charge, and they're all going towards the shield, and Hulk is like right behind them. So it's like, did they just... Blow some money for this trailer just to totally, like, throw us off our game. Because that's pretty awesome if they did that. Yeah. And well, there was that, where that one trailer shot where, like, they're all running toward the camera. And, like, Captain uh-huh. America with his epic beard is right in the middle of them. And I don't know yeah. if we ever got that shot. Okay. Well, see, that could be. Maybe you're right. Maybe that's going to – maybe there will be a big war in the second one. But it sure looked like the the whole Wakanda war thing to me. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if they did it for – to screw with us or if they did it with the intention of having Hulk in it and then changing their mind or what. But he is not in this movie other than the beginning when he gets his butt kicked by Thanos and then he refuses to come out the rest of the film. Which, by the way, what's your theory on that? That he got spanked real hard and doesn't want to again. <laughs> okay, that's my theory too. I was wondering if anybody else had, <laughs> had anything else. I mean, that's pretty much the only thing I could think of. There's really no other reason, right? Hulk lost his first fight. After yeah. being like an epic champion of space for years, yeah. he yeah. got spanked hard by Thanos and he's done. And he's done. Yeah. Won't come out. So that was kind of fun. Um, but then it also tricks you with the trailer too. You think Hulkbuster, oh, that's Tony out there fighting, but nope. Nope. It's uh, <laughs> it's Bruce Banner piling in that son of a whatever. So yeah, that was cool. Little little things, that, like little assumptions I had that were that turned out to be untrue. But it did give uh, Ruffalo a chance to be himself more, which mm-hmm. um, I realize I like. And that's actually been a big part of all the films he's been in is his chance to be himself a lot and not just the Hulk all the time. Um, yeah. So there have been different plot reasons in each film for Ruffalo to spend most of his time out there. Happily, it's not the fact that the Hulk just gets in the way whenever Mar- whenever Bruce Banner is really trying to save the day. No, no. I, like in our yeah, comics. I think Ruffalo's... A great Bruce Banner. I would like to – I can't decide if I want to see him get his own movie or not. They always talk about that. Part of me is like, just let him be, you know, how he's doing it. It's cool. Like, do we have to get into it? But another part of me thinks that he could maybe nail that. So No, he could definitely nail it. I think it's a rights issue. I think there's some Universal Studios rights with the Hulk. Mm. Mm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, that's what I, I haven't heard – I haven't looked up details on that, but that's what I've heard. Uh, see, here – because here in my head – and this is com- – completely based on nothing i was just like wouldn't it be cool if like the green hulk continues to refuse to come out and then so they like go into bruce banner's head to like have him talk it out with that and then like the gray hulk's there and he's like i'll come out and and so like now there's a mr fix it and then they can make a mr fix it movie that'd be fun oh dog i I would love that that would be awesome right yeah play with the hulk that would be but that'd be you'd have to do that more with his own movie because that's just too much hulk otherwise but uh yeah anyway that's what i was fantasizing but i'm assuming he's going to come back and be a pivotal part of part two, but we'll see. 
Um, there's a lot of the film that I don't really have a whole lot to say about. I love Spider-Man in this film. Yeah, um, good. But there's not a whole lot to talk about with all that. He gets the Iron Spider suit. That's yes. really cool. I love the effects of him like pulling the talons out and using them at the various times. That was really neat. Yes. Um, makes you think that makes you think that Iron Man should just give every Avenger a suit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Then they could all have these amazing options. But yep, they could all have their Gal Friday. The Hulk and Hulk just still has pants. <laughs> yeah, right. That'd be funny if the Hulk had like a little like female robot talking in his head though. <laughs> <laughs> Might confuse him. But uh so do you like um, I know we're not talking about Homecoming or this isn't the first appearance of Spider-Man, but I have heard because the Internet is very rarely negative. But I have heard that some Spider-Man fans are not happy with him being skewed young again. Mm. Are you are you cool with that? Because yeah, he's young I mean, in this. He's young in this. They do the whole like, hey, guys, have you ever heard that old heard of that old movie Aliens? You know, right. that kind of joke. That's hilarious to me. But yeah. Do you like that or does that bother you? No, I, I, I can dig it. I mean, my only thing is not against Tom Holland, but I just have a bit of nostalgia for the Andrew Garfield stories. And okay. that Andrew Garfield's third film is never going to happen. No. Um, they really, you know, they really knocked it out of the park with Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 2. And the subplots of the trilogy really built in the second one to promise a third one that is never going to happen. And right. so even though I like Tom Holland as Spider-Man, it's always going to be a little bit of... Yeah, but that other movie's never going to happen. But as far as him being uh, young, I mean, one of the comics I spent so much of the first decade of the 2000s reading was Ultimate Spider-Man. Right. Um, I spent so much time reading that during my early return to comics. I say your first decade of the 2000s, I mean, 2008, <laughs> through whenever I stopped reading Ultimate Spider-Man, like around 2013. Um, yeah. But I, I read and read I read the heck out of that comic so many times. That's my Spider-Man. So this yeah. is kind of that Spider-Man. Well, it's interesting you say Andrew Garfield because his first movie he's in high school also. Mm-hmm. But they don't really play him like they're playing this Spider-Man. This Spider-Man to me seems like he legit is young. Yeah. And and not I'm not going to say he's stupid because he's not stupid, but maybe unwise is a nice word to say. Yeah, just because he's immature a little bit. Because he's only 16. Right, and they they really seem to play up on that more than they did with Toby or Andrew, other than the big like you know letting Uncle Ben part Uncle Ben die as a big screw up, mm-hmm. which which Peter Parker has to have. They all kind of played like you know mature responsible men, and he I like this Spider Man. He's a lot more like a boneheaded kid who is going to get things wrong. And that I don't know that just it's it's only his first twenty eight issues that he's in high school in the in the original Amazing Spider Man series. Yeah, but it seems to be that any story that starts the Spider-Man adventure is going to start with him in high school. It has to. I mean, just he's the is going to go a teenage, from there. He's a teenage superhero. I mean, that's that's it. Yeah. I mean, they all started. All these characters started in their beginning, so it would kind of make less sense if Spider-Man just came along at thirty. Right. I don't know. Anyway, I like it, but and I guess um, kind of his origin story is steeped in poor decision making. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't so hurt either. So that, that goes well with a young kid. I mean, obviously, adults make poor decisions too. Otherwise, humanity would be a much better place to live. Um, but, you know, it just kind of plays with the high school immaturity more more easily. And I really liked – I mean, I think there's been negativity on this. I, sh- I should say that I haven't really gone and looked at reviews of this movie or what people say of this movie. 
uh, because I don't really care. I'm happy with the movie and I don't really need anybody to tell me why I shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you're browsing around and you see things, usually Twitter these days for me. And I think I saw something about someone complaining how he died. Because, you know, for those who don't know, half Thanos wins, half the world, half the universe disappears, essentially, or is killed, however you want to. They don't really die. They kind of just vanish, I guess. I don't know if that means they unexist or what. But Spider-Man is pretty much the only one who kind of, like, is upset about it. Um, yeah. And, well, it takes and longer s- for him. Well, yeah. And some people seem to think that that wasn't very cool or heroic or whatever for him to be scared of disappearing. But I actually – that really, like, punched me in the chest. I really like that performance. Yeah, I don't know – what else you would expect? I mean, is he going to say, uh, is he going to like, you know, spine up straight, Iron Man, I'm dying. You know, I love you, <laughs> Uncle Tony, or something. And I, I don't know what, what that's oh. supposed to be. Oh, that is so, since you said Uncle Tony, you reminded me, that is so good. One of the things I love about this young Spider-Man is that like, he's got this surrogate father, uncle thing going with Tony Stark, who has huge dad issues where he had a dad <laughs> he had a dad who nothing was ever good enough and he's clearly just putting that all on peter you know mm-hmm. like in homecoming he's like eh, everything you're doing is wrong and you suck and i don't want to you know i don't want to give you anything every once in a while he'll give him a compliment but clearly it's just like he doesn't know how to deal with this kid and now in this movie he was really upset that peter followed him onto the spaceship even after he told him not to and he's there and you know Next movie, Tony is not going to be happy about the fact that he had to watch this kid that is pretty much there because of him in a way, like disappear in front of his eyes. So um, my daughter's that's boyfriend gonna be saw this movie and then she uh-huh. woke up to like his text essay <laughs> about the mm-hmm. film. And one of the things she shared with me is that Peter took longer to die because he's one of the few characters that has a regenerative ability. Um now, I'm not sure how much sense that makes because this is an act of the Infinity Stone, not an act of like disease or whatever. Yeah. Um, he's being wiped know. from existence, not slowly killed by some plague. Anyways, but also, since he has his spider sense and other heightened sensory experiences that he talks about in Homecoming, he's feeling it a thousand percent more than most people are. Yeah, yeah. So it's taking him longer. He's feeling it more which is why he has such a slow, anguished death. Uh, maybe that's what they meant. Maybe it's just reading into it. But he did take a lot longer to die than everybody else. I guess I didn't notice that. I don't know. Like, he's the only one who talked. That's for sure. Well, it's like, everybody you know, you look over kinda... at, at Bucky. He's like, um, Cap, he looks down, and within three seconds, he's gone. Whereas Peter has enough time to say, I don't feel so good, and to, like, grab oh. onto Tony and hold him, and they you know, then fall on the ground and, and Tony cradles his head and then he slowly, you know, turns away and dies. It's like, it's like 30 seconds or a minute of Peter dying. Where, it's crazy. Where, where did Thanos cast his spell? What planet? Oh, do you think it took long to have to hit them? Why not? Maybe there's a range or something. Could it be. had to cast, it cascaded out from his glove. <laughs> I'm just making that up there. I solved everybody's problem. <laughs> to me, I was much more interested in the performance and like, you know how sad that scene was, and I was, was sitting there going, it, "Like, it, oh, that took forty-five seconds. That's stupid. I'm not into it." No, no, no. It, was, it didn't take me out of it. I was just trying to kind of some of that explain it. But Tom Holland kills it. Yes, like that scene broke Lily. 
Really? Is that yeah. the one? So, so that's the only spoils I got was the Wilson family uh, Facebook twice that something made them cry, which isn't really a spoiler other than something is sad in the movie, which is good. There right. should be something sad in a big movie like this. So was that the thing you guys were talking about? Was Tom? Um, yeah, I, it was my second time to see it, but the first time I saw it was super late at night. I was just kind of watching it. Second mm-hmm. time I allowed the feelings to feel more. And once people started dying, I started to kind of like, you know, crumble inside. Of course, my emotions are like this roiling ocean just underneath the skin of my body. Um, <laughs> and they come out really easily. But Lily's not so much. Lily tends to be pretty hardcore when it comes to movies. Mm-hmm. But um, for for her, she said that watching Peter die just broke her to pieces. And during the credits, she was just sobbing. And I was holding her hand. And wow. Keenan was hugging her. And. And I mean, I do my, I do my dad cry where I'm like mm-hmm. sitting there like silently crying because I don't want to bother my kids or people around us. So the tears are streaming and I'm like controlling my breathing to like let myself cry, but not make noise. And, and, um, yeah. I find that if I, I'm much more emotional the second time I'll watch, I watch a movie that I like, maybe because you, you know, it's coming. Uh huh. Versus the first time, it's like everything's new and you're kind of just going along with this ride and you don't know where you're ta- where you're being taken. And then it's like the second time you watch, you go, oh, here's that part where it's going to be sad. And then your body, rea- sad. your body reacts accordingly or something. Yeah. Um, but speaking of good performances, I want to talk about uh, Chris Hemsworth. As Thor? Yes. Well, that's the only thing he played in this film. But uh, So Thor Ragnarok. I liked, and we will talk about that some other day, probably, maybe, mm-hmm. who knows. But I felt in that movie, like they figured out that Hemsworth is a funny guy. Like maybe they all watch Ghostbusters or something. Right. Um, and they just undercut every instance of drama with humor in that film, right? Mm-hmm. Like there was no scene where they built up drama that doesn't get kind of wrecked by a stupid joke, right? Right. And at first it's funny, and after a while it's like, okay, you could shut up now. You can let me feel sad about Asgard dying without having that stupid rock guy make dumb comments, right? Or whatever. Um, so this movie, I'm thinking, oh, please don't do that. Please don't just make him jovial Thor again because of all characters of the Marvel Universe, Captain America, Thor, probably the least likely to tell a joke. You know what I mean? Right. Um, not to say they don't have a sense of humor, but they need to have some gravitas and be the hero's heroes and all that stuff. So Thor meets guardians of the galaxy for the first time they save his life it's a great scene but it's also a very funny scene as it should be because it's the guardians of the galaxy mm-hmm. um but thor's funny in it too and i'm thinking oh no they're doing it again he's just gonna be like this jokey guy the whole movie but then they cut to him and rocket in that spaceship on their way to you know i don't know what planet that's called forge planet or something like that yeah Nardelamir Pl- or something it's the asgardian word for the home of the dwarves <laughs> really large dwarves, yes. Um, and Rocket asks him something like, you know, your dad's dead, your your mom's dead, your brother's dead, you know, are you in this for revenge? And he plays the scene so beautifully. Like that got my that got my uh, you know, tears rolling a little bit too. He like if he listens to this podcast, kudos, man. That was good acting. Cause he he talks about like how it's kind of about revenge, but he's also kind of just sad and he's angry and like all those emotions are going through in that scene. I just thought it was Really good, and, and and he puts a smile on it and tries to act like he's he's handling like it he's, lightly, right? So it's almost like a good transition scene from the comedy back to the actual real stuff. 
I mm-hmm. felt like this movie did a good job of keeping the characters true to their tone. Yeah. And yet then slowly bringing all those tones into a cohesive spot. Yeah. Like you go from, you know, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, New York City, fighting things out, you know, giant space wheels in the sky to space. Yeah. Guardians really of the fast. Galaxy. Yeah. Jamming out to whatever song that was. And, and, and everything's a laugh a minute for a while because that's what mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy is. Right. But slowly over the course of the film, all the tones kind of come together into a serious dramatic adventure. And, um, and yeah, I think, I think they did a really good job with that. I, I mean, that was the one I like, I try and go into movies with a positive attitude, but that was the one thing itching in the back of my negative skull was like, they're going to have to do a lot. There's going to be so many characters in this movie and they're going to have to accomplish a lot. Cause let's face it. We knew this is part one of two. So at the end of this one, Thanos has to win. And traditionally what that means if we're going by the comics is he gets all the stones and he wipes out half the universe. Right? So I was just thinking like, are they going to be able to juggle all those balls and make all that happen? And they totally did Mm -hmm. like no problem. I didn't feel, I really didn't feel that. How long is it? Two and a half hours. I didn't feel it. No, Uh, no, it does not feel like a two and a half hour movie. No, there was no like lulls or, and it also didn't feel like there was too much going on at all at once. You know, I mean, it was really well paced and everybody was juggled and all the characters seemed to be, you know, what we expect of them while still able to interact with each other. It was really well done. Yeah. And it's, um, it's funny cause it's called infinity war, but it's not about the infinity war story. And it's really not even about the infinity gauntlet story. It's about no. the build up to the infinity gauntlet. This is kind of Thanos quest in a way. It is until the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I rec- now it's been a while. But if I recall correctly, him snapping his fingers like that, is that in the Infinity Gauntlet? Yeah. Okay. But that that's how it starts, though. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's that the first stroke of the story, whereas it's the last stroke of this film. Um, right. So now in the next film, we have to, you know, kind of come together and, and fight back. Now, I think we should start talking about some of the ramifications and some of the, the, the fallout of this. And I'd like to start with Gamora. Okay. So... First off, Gamora kind of takes on the role of Mistress Death in this story. Like, she is the one Thanos lives for. She is kind of the one he's doing all of this for, even though he's also doing it because he feels like it's his moral imperative. Mm -hmm. Um, But he loves Gamora. He loves Gamora with all of his heart, and he wants to have a better universe for her. He took her when she was small, etc. And, of course, she's the one whose life he sacrifices in order to get the soul stone. Well, if those of you who don't know about the soul stone in the comics, the soul stone is actually the house for an entire realm where people live as their souls. Um, Adam Warlock spends the entire 1980s in the soul stone. Um, So in this movie, he kills Gamora in order to get the soul stone. And at the end of the movie, when he's in the soul stone realm, Gamora is there mm-hmm. as her young self. Right. And it has been theorized in conversations I was having with a friend that Gamora is not entirely dead, that she actually so, is still alive in the soul stone. And that's going to help to save the day at the end of the next movie. I was going to say, so instead of she's not necessarily death, I think she's more like going to play the role of Adam Warlock. In yeah. Film. Sort of a combination of those two. Yeah. Yeah. So for those who have never read infinity gauntlet, 
the reason he, it's pretty much the same idea. He collects all these stones, but the reason he wipes out half the universe is in tribute to the entity death, because there is an entity in the Marvel universe in the comic world called death. And he's in love with death. And in order to impress her, he wipes out half the universe, which doesn't impress her and blah, blah, blah. And that's kind of where the story goes. But in this, obviously they don't do the whole death entity thing. Instead, he just wants to destroy half the universe because of resources, um, which I liked. I mean, I don't know. I really liked Josh Brolin's performance oh, as yeah. Thanos. I yeah. thought it was really good. Like, because there were times when I actually felt for the guy a few times, and you shouldn't really feel for him because he's the meanest, evilest person in the world. I mean, he always reminded me that he was evil eventually, but there were a couple scenes, usually involving Gamora, where I thought, oh, he's maybe not so bad. And then, you know, he'd go and torture Nebula or something. Oh, yeah, he is bad. Never mind. I forgot. But uh, I kind of like, you know, I don't think. We should wipe out half the planet Earth to solve problems. But at the same time, you kind of think, well, that would solve some problems. I don't know. So maybe it's not a bad idea. I, I, I'm here for humanizing villains. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very it's a very postmodern trope of storytelling is just to make your villains sympathetic. The villainous villain who's villain because he's villainous mm-hmm. is not really a thing anymore. No, it shouldn't be. Um, they, they they shouldn't think of themselves as villains, really. No. Everyone is, by by necessity, the protagonist of their own story. Mm-hmm. And Thanos is the protagonist of this story. And from a certain point of view, this story is over. Yeah. Thanos has accomplished his mission. Mm-hmm. He has gone home. And he is having his day of rest. I mean, yeah. everything that's been going on since the... Avengers 2012 has come to a close. He's done. Yeah. Yeah. So here speak, as you were saying, Gamora is in the soul stone, mm-hmm. right? Let's just assume that's true. Cause that's what I thought too. So it seems pretty likely that's what that, what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got that and you notice, did you notice that his glove was totally burnt out after he performed his miracle? Yes. How did you read okay. that? So I read that as like, maybe it's not as uh uh, uh, godly as we would think it is, and then that that feat was awfully big, right. even for even for the Infinity Stones. So maybe I don't know if he broke it, but maybe he like hurt it. Um, and you'll also notice when he went home to rest that he was still limping from God from God <laughs> from God. Oh, Holy Thor from Holy <laughs> Thor. Uh, you know, slamming his uh, God hammer spear thing axe. into him. Axe, yeah, that's the right word. An axe. Um, he was still limping. And breathing shallow. And it looked like his left arm was all scarred up. Right. So it's like if that gauntlet was still working, you'd think he would just snap his finger and be all fully healed and fine. Right. But it was obviously working enough for him to teleport unless he has some other means of teleportation, which he could. Well, um, I think the way that the story spins the gauntlet is they said it was a weapon forged to help somebody wield multiple infinity stones. Because theoretically, unless you're a super powerful being, you can't even touch an Infinity Stone without dying. Certainly the Power Stone, which, you know, being powerful, people can't touch. Um, And so having the gauntlet to have all the stones on it so you can wield all of them at one time. And then I could see why something like that, where something mortable and vincible and um, tangible, like a forged gauntlet, would crumple under the weight of that much Ah. power. So you think it's the tool holding the the yeah. gems that broke? Yeah, that could be. 
I mean, he does hold the gems in his hand, but I don't know if he, he was able to do that because he already had a couple. Right. I'm gonna let's just say that that's why. Because even what's his name uh, from the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie? Uh, Ronan. Ronan. Even he like couldn't hold it for more than a few seconds before he had to put it on his hammer as right. as the way to to wield it. So so yeah, that makes sense that the the giant dwarf's uh, weapon just broke under the pressure. And Peter Dinklage, that was a big surprise. I haven't uh, caught right? a single whiff of him being in this movie. I know. That was really awesome. Um, okay, so yeah, Gamora in the Soul Stone, I think, is important. Yes. Um, the idea that this is the end, I think, is also important because I feel like... And, you know, the, the people like Kevin Feige and other people who have made these movies are sort of... Have said a few times, you really need to take the end of the, the Russo brothers. That's who it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have said you you need to take the ending of this movie more to heart. That these deaths are deaths. Don't just think we're going to go undo. But I don't really buy that. And also, Marvel has used that line before. Well, it's hard to buy it when Spider Man has an upcoming film. There is that. There is that we have an. And I'm kind of sad that that movie's been announced and light of the fact that they have not announced anything else. Nothing right. has been announced about the upcoming Marvel films that coming at, that are coming after Avengers Forever, or whatever they're going to call the fourth one. I like the name Avengers Forever. Um, that would be awesome. Great miniseries, by the way. Yeah. The, uh, I was just saying, I was rambling about something. I was talking too much, I'm sure. but um, Death. Yeah. So let's think about for a second, what if this were the end of all those characters? Well, that would not be great because I feel like the Guardians have more movies they could do and they just wiped out all of them but Rocket. Right. Um, I know that like – I was really convinced that Chris Evans or Captain America was going to die in this movie. I was sure of it. I saw that last trailer they did and Cap was standing there like wrestling with, with uh, Thanos and Thanos kind of looks at him like, wow, this guy's really brave and stuff. And then I, I, I thought the next scene would just be him like snapping his neck in, in half or something like that, right? Um so I can see Cap he, dying in the next one. I cannot see Iron Man dying in the next one. I feel like they've played that card. Right. So we know, based on what Chris Evans has said anyway, that next one is his last movie. And he didn't have to do it, but he wanted to do it because he said it felt like a good way to end it. So what does that mean, kids? I don't know. I kind of hope. And, you know, again, Captain America, my favorite character. But I kind of hope he does die. I think that'd be a cool way to... To end it i don't i don't want to see him kind of just be like go off and retire in alaska or something dumb like that like i'd rather he go out a hero and die and then have like bucky take over the mantle or something cool uh except bucky's dead right now too hmm, how's that gonna work but yeah yeah so i see them undoing the whole you know half the world dying thing half <laughs> the universe dying me too because that's the plot of infinity gauntlet is like undoing the death of half the universe so what I think is going to happen, I just made this up right now. Captain America is going to get a hold of the gauntlet, and he's going to wish everybody back, but at the expense of his own life. He's going to uh, blow up. There, I totally made that up. They're not going to listen to me, but that could work. Well, it's worth pointing out that Nebula is still around, and Nebula has a big role to play in how the comic story of the Infinity Gauntlet plays out. I, I think that they have set her up nicely to do that move. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and- could be that. And yeah, like I said earlier, they've they've done the whole. You really got to believe us, man. This is really real. They did that with Superior Spider-Man when they killed Peter and had Doc Ock take over his body. Mm-hmm. They were like, "This is it. This this is how this goes." Oh, I know. You can never believe that. I had yeah. 
I have people like, like when they killed Captain America, I had people calling me on the phone to tell me they were sorry. You know, it's like, and I'm just like, guys, come on, <laughs> they'll restore this. Give it a they, year, you know. They, they let it play <laughs> like, longer than I expected. They let it play long enough that I started wondering if it was gonna get a, if it was gonna. Get a, yeah, because Bucky was capped for two or three years. But it, you know, it always gets undone eventually. It always gets undone eventually. Um, but how about the people that are actually dead? Dead. So I don't know. Loki, like we've said, he's already faked his death a thousand times, and they could easily write some way that he faked his death this time. Um, Hi, I man. don't know about. Hemdall, I could see them just not bringing him back, and that's not really like an A-lister, so you know we could get away with him just staying dead. The Vision, you can throw him in a bag of rice, and he'll be okay. Oh, he might I not have about the Vision. He might not have any emotions when he comes back. Yeah, but, he's all pale but, now. But you can rebuild him. Well, well he also has a big hole in his chest, but yeah, well, his head. But they they could they could fix the hole in his head, fix those wires, turn him back on. And they, they did all the conversation about how, like, Vision's psychology is, like, multiple layers of multiple operating systems mm-hmm. integrated somewhat but not completely with the the Mind Stone. And so if you remove the Mind Stone, maybe Vision is still there. Maybe even those important parts of him are still there. I think Vision is going to come back to life. And I think that the reason his colors faded away is because they're going to do the Avengers West Coast 1980s, 1990s emotionless vision with, who has no colors in the comics. Right? Star Trek Four. It's going to be Scarlet Witch. Can I ask you a question? Wanda, you used to call me Wanda. Don't you remember? <laughs> so, yes, that. Yeah, that's what they're going to do. And, and that would be awesome. they're going to do the thing where he tries to cook for her and is like going to completely fail. He's going to completely data the whole thing. Only like... Not not sweet and endearing data, but like, you know, completely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although they also just get, like you said, they described his brain as very complex. So there is an out. Like he could start out with no memory and then eventually like Wally, you know, there could be a spark or something and it could all come together. Mm-hmm. So he could always get his emotions back without getting a reality stone to power him. Well, at the end of the day, there's this deus ex machina glove floating out there. All they got to do is grab it turn a green dial in, in, in the air and make all this get undone. Oh, but not without consequences. No, there need to be consequences. I agree. But yeah. like, just to say that to say this is all permanent when there is literally a God glove out there. Oh, well that too. Yeah. I no, thought you meant just the time stone in general, but, or specifically, but, uh, speaking of that. So what do you think of like, he saw, he used the time stone to look in the future and see what was it like? Millions of million six hundred five options. Um, options and only one works. So clearly, we must assume that he let he saved he traded the time stone for Tony's life because that was the option that worked. That was the option that worked. So he says this was the only way right before he dies. So theoretically, mm-hmm. we are on the path to victory. Yeah. Well, gosh, let's hope so. That's gonna be a really bummer of a part two if it doesn't work out. <laughs> um. So. We haven't talked enough Captain America. I want to say a couple things about Captain America. Yeah, talk some Captain America. Um, 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 Let's wrap the Cap. I'm the the worst Captain America fan ever because here's the two things that happened to me when I was watching this movie. One, I'm watching Vision and Scarlet Witch get their butt handed to them. And just when they're about to lose, like the lights dim and flicker and everybody looks around and like a train blows by and there's a silhouette of like perfect male specimen standing there. And you think Henry Cavill Superman? 
it doesn't reveal who it is. And my stupid brain, even though they just literally said like 10 minutes ago that we need to call Steve because he would know how to find vision. Right. Right. My brain, my brain is racking for who the heck this could be. I went through all the cast of characters and could not think of who it was. <laughs> and then like, that's all in like two seconds, of course, because then they throw the staff and he catches it. And it's like, oh, duh, that's who of it is. And I was so happy. And I got very emotional. Like, I guess you don't have to just get teary-eyed over sad things. You can get teary-eyed over happy things too. Because it's like, oh, I, I haven't seen like my favorite character on screen in what? Like two years, three years? However long it's been since Cat 3, and a Pepsi 2016 maybe. Um, yeah, I guess I'm spoiled because it was cool to see him again. And then the other dumb cap thing I did was they go to the Soul Planet, uh, the planet that has supposedly has the uh, Soul Gem. And there's like they're greeted by this black specter thing. And it says, you know, I'm here. I'm cursed to guide That's you. I'm cursed to guide you through this planet or whatever. And I immediately go, oh, that's Hugo Weaving. That's cool that they got Hugo Weaving to voice this spirit. Hugo Weaving, you know, Agent Smith or or the guy from Lord of the Ring. And then it cuts to him being the Red Skull. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot Hugo Weaving played the Red Skull. So that was another bonehead on my part. It's, it's, um, it's one of those things where, like, I was trying to figure out why the Red Skull was even there. I don't understand that either because he didn't get so, trapped into that gym. I can't do it yeah. He was okay. in the Tesseract, which is right. the power well, stone, right? He no, held the Tesseract reality. and he like flew away through the ceiling into space. Like the Tesseract right. opened up space behind him and he got sucked out into it or blown out. Right, right. So we always kind of figured he'd come back. Um, but then I completely forgot that he existed altogether because it's been so long. Um, yeah, that's what I was trying to... parts of the movies that kind of felt didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Because right. why would he be on this planet guarding the Soul Stone? But only for the last 50 years, not like for all of eternity or anything. And why the soul stone when that wasn't the stone he was dealing with? So, that, right. yeah, that, that did make me like, that's when I started trying to count on my fingers, like where all these gems came from and which ones they were dealing with. And yeah, Tesseract was not the soul stone. So whatever. But it was kind of cool to see him anyway. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah. I don't know. It would definitely was. I guess, it was a cool move. Just one that do, doesn't, I mean, doesn't really bear much scrutiny. If you need someone to explain that you have to throw your loved one off a cliff to get the soul stone, then why not have it be a dead red or a spirit bodiless red skull, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, yeah, I don't know. Like it was cap didn't do a lot. I don't feel like like, well, I mean, he did. He did his cap stuff. He did his cap stuff. He fought a lot, but he's had three movies. So I guess it's cool that like they focused more on other people. I'm glad that they focused on the space people more. Um, it was cool to see him and Buck get back together again. High five and, uh, I like the I am Groot, I am Steve Rogers line. That was funny. Uh, yeah, he didn't die, though. So I guess maybe next movie he'll die. I'm waiting for it. Finally seeing Bucky back to being Bucky with his mind all intact and mm-hmm. really himself again with his like flowing luscious hair and everything else. Yeah, I'll I, get that arm. I'm going to get that arm. That made me <laughs> laugh really hard. I'll get that arm. But I think they're positioning him to take over the Captain America mantle next movie. I sure hope so. I think that'd be great. He's gone through his, you know, winter soldier arc. Now he's ready to be captain. Yeah. Um, I, I wish that uh, Rocket and Iron Man could have interacted. Maybe next movie. Because I would really like to see Rocket, like, trip out on Iron Man's armor. Or maybe even upgrade it while he's not looking or something. Right. That'd be fun. And speaking of his armor, is 
Oh, I don't know. Like, part of me hates this whole uh, nanotech thing that they introduced in Black Panther. Right. It's a little too magical and easy. Um, But then another part of me was cool with Iron Man having it because it's like, well, if it does exist, then Tony should know how to make it happen. And so, yeah. It's a little bit like his Extremis outfit from the Extremis era of Iron Man um, Mm -hmm. where he he wears basically the full body condom and the suit just kind of comes out of it. Yeah. Um, that's, that was a neat idea. Now he's, I don't know. He did the whole modular thing, which was cool. I like the modular thing. Yeah. But there's this whole thing with, with tech nowadays, where just kind of like unfolds out of nowhere. I know. I know. Which doesn't make any sort of sense, but it's just one of those things they do now with tech. It's like special effects. We don't actually have to put that, you know, Star Lord's helmet doesn't have to be anywhere. He just touches his ear and it grows out of his nose. And you know what's dumb is I think the first movie to do that was Lost in Space. And nobody likes Lost in Space. But for some reason, we steal that idea that these helmets grow out of your ear or whatever. Right. Um, I like the creativity of, you know, initially he had to have all these big mechanical arms like remove and put the armor on him. You know, he had to go home. Mm -hmm. And then Iron Man 2, I love that they pulled off the suitcase armor not in the same way as the comic but still it's yeah like, let's that was a little great moment right and it, it wasn't like a the armor was obviously a less powerful version but it was just this cool idea of like an on-the-go armor you know and then i liked that the, mo- I, the I was cool with the modular stuff i loved the idea of like the iron man armor just kind of standing there waiting for him to walk back into it you know like he did in iron man 3 or avengers 2 mm-hmm. where it kind of just it kind of can go into sentry mode and like it just walks off him but it's still there. It still exists. Right. Um, but yeah, now this this new like, you know, Black Panther and Iron Man doing this press a button and things just come out of nowhere is a little little low rent to me. <laughs> when theoretically it's the highest level of technology. <laughs> right, just... right. It's so high it's become magic, I guess. Yeah, it, I it's know. just effects. You're just you're taking advantage of the fact that you're in special effects. There's no actual reality going on here. Right. There's no creativity or anything. But oh well. Um yeah, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I really thought this was, like I said before, I think they juggled everything just right. All the characters were just right. They had a lot to accomplish, and they accomplished all of it. I think I'm much more looking forward to part two because part one, in a way, is kind of like you knew what was going to happen maybe. Right. Although I've met a lot of people that were like, how could they end it like that? And I'm just thinking, did you not know it was part one? I mean, it doesn't say part one on the poster, I guess. Well, they but... changed their marketing. I mean, it was initially announced as Avengers part one and part two. And at some point they're like, I think they wanted to set the expectations for this movie a little bit differently in that they want people to come to see the next big Avengers movie and take it as a thing and be shocked by the ending more so than this is part one of two. And, you know, it's going to end in a moment, and so are you ready for part two? Whereas instead, yeah. people are walking out of Avengers Infinity War with a terrible, not terrible as in a bad choice, but terrible as an emotionally wrecking ending, mm-hmm. and that's the end of the story. Yeah. My wife hates unhappy endings or ambiguous endings, mm-hmm. even though she's watched Lord of the Rings like 50 billion times, but I guess because all three are out, it's okay. But like, <laughs> she didn't know that this was a part one. I don't know. I, I just assumed everybody knew. I didn't really pay attention. And so she's like looking at me after it was over, like, that's it. 
It's like, what do you mean that's it? There has to be a second part. He had to win. Darth Vader has to win in Empire Strikes Back or else what are we returning for? You know? Right, right. Although, oh. who won at the end of Last Jedi? I mean, it's... Uh, I really expect the bad guys to win more at the end of that movie than they did. They didn't really win. But that's another comment. That's another conversation for another podcast. <laughs> so, speaking of endings, we didn't talk about the post credit scene. Oh, yeah. I, well, I was thinking that we could start gearing towards the road from here, and the post credit scene definitely feeds into that. Okay. Because, of course, the post credit scene is where Nick Fury and Maria Hill, before they get killed by Thanos, mother... Um, he pages Captain Marvel. Right. And Captain Marvel is a movie that is coming out next year that is filming right now. But that movie takes place in the 90s, I've read. Right. So it's probably out of sync with this movie. So they're setting up the character in Captain Marvel for her to be involved in, in Avengers. Ah, uh, right. Okay. But you know what's interesting is while Captain Marvel and Thanos do go hand in hand, thank you, Jim Starling, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really this Captain Marvel. This is not Cree Marvel with cosmic awareness Marvel. This is like what's her face, uh, Shield Agent Marvel. Uh, yeah, I her Carol name. Danvers. Carol Danvers. Yes, thank you. Who's been Warbird and Captain Binary. Marvel? Binary. Ms. Marvel. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, like if it was legit Captain Marvel, I could see like, oh, that's their ace in the hole. You know, he's going to come and he's going to be all cosmically aware and he's going to know how to like defeat Thanos. But this is she's just like, a, you know, a really powered soldier. So I don't know if she's going to be like the the clincher for defeating Thanos for them. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's I, I'm super curious to see how they spin her story, because mm-hmm. you're right. By her very nature, Captain Marvel depends upon Marvel mm-hmm. to exist. Now, Marvel is in Captain Marvel, the movie. Oh, is he really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Marvel Marvel is in that movie. Um, And I've heard, grain of salt maybe, maybe it's been confirmed, I don't know, but um, they're going to kind of base the plot around the Kree-Scroll War. So she originally was Miss Marvel, right? Ms. Marvel, yeah. Ms. Marvel. And how did she get her powers? Was it directly influenced by... Captain Marvel? Yes. Like so in, Blood transfusion, something? In the original Captain Marvel series, Carol Danvers was supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel was an alien who was masquerading as Walter Walter Latham or something like that. Some, he was a, he was a um, astronaut military bigwig. Right. And Carol Danvers was Air Force security on base. Okay. Um. <clears throat> She suspected uh, the Mar- Marvel of not really being who he was claiming to be, and there were shenanigans with that. There was a hint of a possible love interest that never really developed. Um, and in issue eighteen of Captain Marvel, uh, she gets killed. Okay, not killed, but she gets blasted by a bolt from a Kree um, energy weapon and carried off to be taken care of, and she never is in the book again. Um, now very soon after that, the, the book is canceled twice It's canceled, brought back for two issues, canceled, and then Jim Starlin revives it. Um, when the blast hit Carol Danvers, it did go through Marvel to get to her. Uh And so they use that as the basis in Ms. Marvel of something about his Cree physiology was transferred to her. So she is a blend of human and Cree. Okay. 
so yeah, that would be kind of hard to explain that without a Cree person being around, I guess. Right. So somehow, what I'm expecting is um, Carol Danvers is going to be military. She's going to get caught up in the conflict of the Crees and the Scrolls, and something's going to happen to infuse her with the powers uh, or the aspects of Cree that make them more powerful than you. Yeah. Not the blueness, but, maybe. But oddly, I don't think all Cree are like that kind of powerful but i don't know we don't necessarily have to get into the entire history of captain marvel i'm never sure how that works like super scroll is more powerful than a scroll captain marvel is more powerful than most kree thor is more powerful than most asgardians uh, i don't think that captain marvel is more powerful than most kree i think he's just more powerful than most humans okay but he had the gauntlets or something that helped probably he um, had those, uh, that came along when he started swapping bodies with rick Jones. right but that's when he got cosmic awareness and was able to fly. And yeah, he did get the cosmic awareness from Ego, the living planet. No, no. From no, it was, it was uh, the floating eyeball thing. Eon. Eon. The floating green gop with an eyeball in it. He was supposed to get the quantum bands to be the protector of the universe. But for some reason, he didn't get those. He got something else that gave him cosmic awareness and blah, blah, blah. But then later Quasar got the actual quantum bands that give you the energy manipulation, green lantern style and all that fun stuff. They're both, uh, disciples of Eon though. Right. And Quasar has Eon in his book. Yeah. As a sort of double X kind of, and Miss Marvel got like permanently, uh, absorbed by rogue, I think for yeah, a while. Ms. Marvel or... got the plot shaft and Chris Claremont was rather pissed about it as he made very plain in his Avengers annual 10. Um, but yeah, so Ms. Marvel got depowered for a while, repowered with star powers, became binary, dr- flew around with the, the star jammers. Yeah. I don't know how she got back to being Ms. Marvel in the lightning bolt suit again in the two thousands. Well, she started as Warpath and <coughs> is it Warpath or Warbird or Warbird. something like that in Avengers. And she and Tony like had fights about alcoholism or something like that. But then I think like earth X, or no, not Earth X. Whatever House of it was, M. House of M wiped everything out, and she got re reborn as like this superhero. Superhero. That's legit. right. She saw herself as the best possible superhero in the House of M, and coming yeah. out of that, she decided that she actually wanted to be that person. Right. So then she became Miss or Captain Marvel instead of Miss Marvel. She was Miss Marvel for a while. Captain Marvel came about around 2011 or 12 when the heroes, um, like the all new Marvel now or whatever it's called. And that's yeah. when like Bendis brought the original five X-Men back and lots of other really big shifts happened. <laughs> and Ms. Marvel became Captain Marvel. I feel like every time we talk like this, there's like a, the hugest Captain Marvel fan right now listening to us screaming at the radio. Like <laughs> that's not what happened. You guys are just making this up. Well, um, but to boil all that down, so we got the Captain Marvel movie coming to set her up for her role in Avengers four. Um, we have the Ant-Man and the Wasp movie because Avengers 4 has already been filmed. It filmed as a unit with Avengers 3. Right. So the Wasp and the Ant-Man and Hawkeye have already done their Avengers filming. They just weren't in Infinity War. No, but they do mention them. Yeah, they mention them, and they are going to have a bigger role to play in the next one. Um, And I don't know if Ant-Man and the Wasp, what I would like to see, what I would like to see is Ant-Man and the Wasp end with Infinity War. Yeah, so like it could... It's all about what they're doing when they're under house arrest, I think. Or maybe or maybe the time frame leading up to that. I think it's what's happening while they're under house arrest or something like that. And then like maybe the end could be one of them disappearing. That'd be fun. Or both or neither. I don't know. Or Hank Pym the whole city. Hank Pym disappearing. That trailer looks awesome. But yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that one. It's going to be fun. 
And mm-hmm. then there was going to be an Inhumans movie that didn't happen. And I think that I think it's just Ant Man and Captain Marvel, and then Avengers yeah. Four, and then Spider Man, and then Spider Man, which they shouldn't have announced. But oh well, I agree. Too late, guys. Too late. But yeah, I don't know. Great movie again. Looking forward to the second one where I don't know what's going to happen. But yeah, I think they knocked it out of the park. Ten year anniversary, a lot of pressure. Just like Avengers back in the day when I thought, oh man, I really hope they pull this off because they really put out a lot of movies leading up to this, and they pulled it off then. They pulled it off now. I think it's good. Well, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna throw something at you as part of our whole make this show up as we do it on the microphone. Okay, hit me. we have talked about discussing the non-comic stuff, the different TV shows, the different movies, the different mm-hmm. all the stuff that Marvel has done. I mean, we could go as far back as the Captain America serials. Right. And maybe we could put one of these out every month or two. Mm-hmm. And maybe we could have an email suggestion of what we cover next. Sure. Except I already know what we're covering next. But after that, yeah. Okay, what are we covering next? Deadpool 2, baby. Oh, yeah, that's this month. That is this month. So yes. excited. So that's next, guys. Sorry, we're not going to cover uh, you know, Captain America serial before Deadpool 2. But, yeah, throw your suggestions. Because I actually think it'd be fun to cover non-MCU stuff, like Deadpool 2, for instance. But, you know, any of the X-Men things or, or pre-all this, you know, cinematic universe stuff. Those, those Garfield Spider-Mans or... Even the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans or, I don't know, Hulk TV show. What else do they have? Cartoons? There were various 90s cartoons. There were the TV mm-hmm. show. And I think we could do TV shows by season. Yeah, I guess it'll depend on what it, what kind of form it is. Because if it's, yeah, if we're talking like the Incredible Hulk TV show, that'd be really hard to just cover the whole thing in an hour. Right. We could do, we could do a season and pull out some highlight episodes and, and yeah. such like that. So here's a suggestion. Why don't we have, since this is going up um, on May 11th, and Deadpool is coming out. When is Deadpool? May something after that. May not, Is it May 18th? <laughs> I think it's 18th, yeah. That's really soon. Okay, I was going to uh-huh. say, why don't they send their email requests in by Deadpool, and then we could do like an announcement of what all the different suggestions are and take a poll, vote for these things. But that seems like that's that's too much to do. So maybe not, maybe not, maybe not that. Send your emails. What do you think we should cover on these not-comics episodes? Yeah, which movies are your favorite or your least favorite? What do you want to Maybe hear? Maybe least soon? favorite. Least favorite could be fun. Make us suffer. We have to talk about something horrible. I can't think of any off the top of my head that are really horrible, but oh, like maybe the uh, Dwarf Lundgren Punisher or something like that, or <laughs> or uh, the Salinger Captain America. That could be good. Italian Red Skull. Oh, oh yeah. I don't know. Yeah. One of Thank those. Thank you for not mentioning the new Fantastic Four film as something horrible because I actually really like. About half of that movie, I haven't seen it to be honest. So that'd really? be a fun one. To, that'd be a fun one to do. So give me an excuse to watch it. Yeah, I really like the front half of that movie, and the last act goes off the rails. But ah, um, the front half is really good. The middle third is kind of good. The back, the back act is a different film. Um, but anyways, yeah. So send in your request to podcast at makearsmarvel.com. Yeah, I mean, this will be sporadic, like we said, when we feel like doing it. Deadpool 2 will definitely be next. And uh, until then, you know, tune into our regular episodes that come out each week. Oh, yeah, because there's another episode up right now with this one. So you should go listen to that. Yeah. Go do that. Bye. Bye. Bye.